Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. I came here for you're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Welcome. Hello and welcome to everybody who loves harness racing and racing in general. And people who love to find winners for the future. Metrospective Monday, as always. Gareth Hall's head must be... Large because he stretched these cans right. I don't know what he's done to them. It feels like these cans are sitting around my jowls. Um, this is what happens when he comes into the studio to do his show. You get up with Gareth Hall. Steve Cleave joins me. We're going to find some winners. 11 races to get through. How are you, Cleavey? I'm very well, Bon. Yourself? I'm good, mate. Um, there's, I don't, I haven't actually settled on how many black bookers I'll have, but I reckon there's going to be a couple that. I don't know where their next win is necessarily because they're the kind of horses uh, you've got to place perfectly. But when when horses start to put two and three um, outstanding runs together in a row, they almost force their way in, don't they? They certainly do. I was going through it and I thought, gee, I don't reckon I've got any black bookers to start with until I got to the last race. But then I've just gone back through them and I've probably got eight that are on borderline. They're ones that you'd certainly want to follow, but I don't know if they're black bookers because they're going to get up and win really soon. Like you say, they've got to find that right race or the right draw, but they're they're borderline black bookers, so there's an extra B in there. I wonder if there's one in uh, the first race in the car. We'll get started because we have got 11 to get through in the next hour and 54 minutes, and we'll start with this uh, four-year-old Noel a Metropolitan made and uh, Mustang, I was very, very keen. I think you were too, Cleavy. It got out to, well, it was $3.70 starting odds, but I think I think you might have been able to get, well, you could get more better than $4 about Mustang, and it was largely, if not I think uh, solely based on the inside second line draw, that awkward gate aid draw. But sweet creation. We spoke about it in the Friday form panel, Wombat and I, that Glenn Bull, um, the last time Glenn Bull handed up was uh, around 1958. So sweet creation wasn't going to hand out without a fight. Mustang decided to follow through and ultimately the pole marker got Mustang where it needed to go. They were flashing home out wide, but Mustang was just kidding in behind the leader. Yeah, no, he's absolutely jogging. Uh, John, you know, he had the right draw when it came to following a leader and it actually stuck on better than I expected it to, Sweet Creation. And I know that was a question mark was whether it would get Mustang at the top of the straight, but it, it really stuck on well. I mean, it's only got beaten 1.7 metres and Mustang just had that perfect trip that just got ridiculous odds at the end. It just kept drifting out and drifting drifting out. Uh, but there's a couple of good runs. Guilty by the Beach got home really well as well. Um, a high Flux is another one that was so, sort of an eye catcher. It was held up probably until the last 50 metres. So it, it got home really good into fourth. Yeah, and just Ralph getting up along the inside, uh, casting shadow. It was just one of those races, wasn't it? The Rock and Roll King was probably a bit disappointing given it got down to the poles where I think it loves to race. And 
Um, didn't finish off quite as well as expected. But you look at the mole rate here, 157-1. Sweet Creation just enjoyed that 32.1 second second quarter, I think. The only – like Mustang was entitled to win, don't get me wrong, Clovey, but the only little tick you give is when they were swinging out wide – uh, you thought to yourself, well, just for a moment, well, you've still got to make up that ground in a short period of time, and not every horse can do it. So uh, Mustang was able to do it nicely, and it's always lovely to see, and you would feel this way about a couple of yours at home, one in particular, but horses who deserve a win to be able to break through because Mustang was knocking on the door and just needed to find the right race. And when, they've, when they're doing that and, they, uh, and they, they get their breakthrough win, it's always pretty satisfying for everyone, I reckon. Yeah, it certainly is, not just for the stable, but I think it's good, you know, for people following uh, on the outside. It is good to see him get that win. And like you say, he's been he's been kicking the door down for quite some time now. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, really, that he won. It was back in April. But, um, you know, he's had a few frustrating runs since then. But his, his two previous runs at Melton prior to Kilmore's win, they were really eye-catching runs, I thought. Um, even one of them, I, mean, I know he got beaten a long way, but it was behind a, a very good winner uh, in Boyo's horse, but he still beat the others and looked eye-catching from there. So it was his race to win, and, it, and he got the job done. It's interesting, isn't it? And um, it, it, John and Marie Kelder, well, John Kelder, I reckon I was in Mildura, and we did a cross down to down at Tabcourt Park, Melton. Mustang was on a, an absolute heater through March and April, had won three or four races, and looked like it was just absolutely flying. One of the wins over the mile, I reckon it sat parked and went 53-8. And after the third of those, well, the third of those wins at, in, uh, at Melton on the 21st of April, we crossed to John and he sort of said, um, you know, you were talking it up and saying, is he turned the corner in terms of can he go through the grades? And, and John said, no, I don't think so. I think basically that might be the last win in a while because that's how quickly the national rating system can catch up with you. And... At the end of the day, John was dead right because as soon as he went up in grade, he wasn't anywhere near as competitive and he's had to slide back down into an area which, which is more suitable for him to win again. So sometimes people think, well, if you can win there, then you'll, you know, you'll cruise up and you'll be able to go through your grades. But there's almost, for a lot of horses, numerically in that national rating system, there's a number that they virtually can't get past, if you know what I mean. Don't, don't you agree with that? Absolutely. I believe every horse has their level. I mean, the real good ones can get to the top. They, they don't tend to struggle. But once you're a step below those really good ones, that they have that level. And as you say, they can go bang, bang, bang and win. But all of a sudden, they really struggle because they're racing good horses that are coming back down in grade and you're going up in grade. So it's almost like you're almost doing two grades in one because they've come down one and you've gone up one and you're meeting much, much stronger horses. So they can find that level very quick. But as you see with uh, Mustang, he went up, he had a few runs where he come back down and then he's back up again. So he'll just keep hovering around that class pretty much forever. But he's so competitive and he, he always gives his best that, you know, he could do that for the next 12 months quite easily. Uh, no black bulls in race one? Not really. I, I, as I said, a few of them may be borderline, so I haven't black booked anything out of race one. All right, beautiful. I've got no black bookers in race one either. I have in race two. We'll talk about that when we get back from our first break here on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life here on SEN Track. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736-736. Welcome back to the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life. 
We're only one race down, meaning we've got 10 to go. And before we get stuck in any further, just reading, I mean, we, we this was already on the table from last week, but absolute confirmation that Lock and Barart will be heading to uh, the land of Uncle Sam. I want you. I want you, Artie. He's going over to America and the flight from Sydney to Chicago on October 5, as reported by Adam Hamilton on the forum on the trots.com.au. Um, sad to lose him, but the alternative is that's the end of his career, I'd say. So this is probably a, um, this is a better result, I guess, Clevy. Yeah, it is very sad to lose him. Um, I'm sure David will be shattered, especially after just coming back and then everything falling to pieces the day before he gets back into the uh, into the gig. But, um, yeah, look, I would have liked to have seen him maybe step back and, and have another go with David back, you know, uh, just taking his time with him. As I said, it, it wasn't a, a serious bleed, so um, I, I wouldn't have taken too much of that. I've, you know, I've had one that's bled you know, a lot worse than that. And, and, you know, he's back racing now at the best of his game. So, you know, it would have been great to see him come back. But, you know, you can understand from an owner's point of view, they, they want to get the best out of their horses and and what America does have on offer. And that's why you see so many of our horses go over there. You know, they, they can just compete, I suppose. That we're proving that we're as good as anyone in the world and they go over there and they win big races. So, you know, why wouldn't you? Absolutely, and uh, I think in that article, he's going over to Team Tritton, and, and that article, uh, Shane talks about, Shane Tritton, that is, talks about a bit of a legend and uh, and Let It Ride, who both looked at the end of their careers. A bit of a legend won 36 races and almost $2 million over there. And uh, I think as good as a bit of a legend was, Lock and Barat's in a different world. If he can uh, if he can stay sound and they can, they can get him up and going, we might be able to at least watch him from these shores take on the Yanks and who knows, maybe get to the the top level over there. Race two at uh, Kilmore on Friday night was won by He's Ideal, and I was pretty happy with this. I thought it should have been a hell of a lot shorter. He's a funny sort of horse. It was a great drive from Mark Pitt. Um, followed through early from inside the second row, then sliced around, was able to find the front relatively comfortably, and once he got there, it was game over. He's a loping sort of a type. I'm not sure he's he's got um, – we'll talk about Captain Ravishing later. He hasn't got the 25, 26-second quarter in him. I don't think he's ideal. But what he has got, he can just maintain the rage, and he he won with something in hand, I think, Clevy. Yeah, he certainly did. He, I don't think he was really pushed out. Um, 26-9 first quarter was absolutely humming, and it was a millimetre-perfect drive by pity to get off. Uh, just going into the first corner when Glen Bull was restraining. It was literally the gap was closing as the brakes were going on in front of him, but he got off and he probably would have got off a few strides, uh, a few hundred metres later anyway, because the field would have settled down. But Pity drove him perfect, rolled straight around to the front, didn't have any pressure in the middle, got a 32-1 breather. And then as you say, he just holds that high speed, 28-1, 28 flat. And yeah, I, I think they could have got another lap at that speed. Uh, Daylight at Dawn, in fact, you know, um, there are a couple of Greg Flemings that went extremely well on the night, but Daylight at Dawn was one of them. There's a couple here, obviously, that got disconnected from the field at the start, and they that's where one of my black bookers comes up. Say don't ain't so Joe could get into the black book, but we know how good it's Ebony and Ivory is. Now, it's Ebony and Ivory wasn't wasn't really involved in the early collision, but was behind it and got dragged back, I don't know, 40, 50 metres off the lead. Now, by the time that they'd finished that 32.1 second, second quarter, everyone had connected on and it wasn't that far off the lead, but I still thought it was a mighty effort to get within 8.4 metres. So it's my first black book. It's Ebony and Ivory. Your thoughts there, Clevy? 
Yeah, I could see that. I didn't black book any. I, I put a little question mark against, or a little asterisk, I should say, against Daylight at Dawn, Kian Kamikaze, and it's Ebony and Ivory, just for that reason. But sometimes, because of that slow quarter and they tacked on, they didn't have to really work to catch up. You sort of maybe give it a little bit too much credit, um, you know, but understandably, you know, they, they did get, you know, knocked out of it and they're finished nice and close. But sometimes you sort of maybe think, oh, if they hadn't have got knocked out, they would have been 20 metres better. But, you know, maybe not cost them that much because of how slow that second quarter was. They'll be able to just catch up. If if they ran a 29 quarter there and those horses chased, caught up, and then a 28-28 and they were flying home, you'd just be like, wow. But 32-1, I I just couldn't quite slip him into my black book. I actually uh, tend to agree with you very heavily on on the uh, sometimes the, the when horses get into um, scrimmages or even galloping races. Uh, I've said this for years. They they can get really overrated the performances depending on the sectionals. The reason that I'm giving it to Ebony and Ivory a, a spot in the black book is basically. Um, the foundation of that or the platform comes from past deeds because I just wanted to see something from her, this preparation. It was a third run back, I think, um, and we know that at her best, she should be running second in this race um, pretty clearly. And uh, this was this was an indication that she's back on track of record in 70 and Ivory. So that's why she slips in for me, the third race in the card. Another very good horse, another dominant win, another short price. He's a son of a gun. Uh, Matty Craven, uh, we spoke to him in the post-race interview on Trot's Life, the trainer and driver of He's a Son of a Gun, and he refuses still to go any further than announcing He's a Son of a Gun as a, a lovely race horse, but he's already a Group 1 winner. Um, he, was, he, he, he just races so beautifully, doesn't he, here? I mean, in the early stages, if you had the sand down at the pub, you would have thought that Magic Mike was applying plenty of pressure, had the head in front of he's a son of a gun and you would have thought, geez, they're rolling along here. But really, he's a son of a gun and was just travelling on, on the bridle and just not getting involved and they were walking 31-8, 31-3, the first two quarters of the final mile, then released the shackles and just darted away from them. Now, we, we probably would concede, I think, Clevy, that he's a son of a gun. He's in that peloton a little below these freaks at the top end of the three-year-old brigade as we head towards a derby like Captain Ravishing, Catch a Wave, Leap to Fame and maybe a Cooter. But I don't know if he's that far away and he's got the tactical speed to put himself in any race if he draws the front line, I reckon. Yeah, he's a funny horse because I remember you go back to the big races back at Melton, you know, at the end of last year um, in December and one of them he galloped and then flashed back home and I'm not sure if he just got beat or he won that. He might have run third, but that was in the Vic Bread semi-final, I think, for two-year-olds. And all of a sudden, we were wrapping him up as one of those big guns and, like, right up there because he just showed that potential. So I, I don't know if he's, like, a, a bit of a sleeping giant. He just doesn't – like, he, he he's won that really nice, but he doesn't have that look that you just grab you and say, wow, this is a really nice horse. But I think it's there. It, it, he, he's just not one of those eye catchers. So, I yeah, I don't think he's that far off him. But, yeah, Maddie's not – jumping up and down about him. So that just puts a little question mark. But his win the other night, I mean, look, if he didn't win that, I, I wouldn't be wrapping him up one little bit because, as you said, a 31-8 and a 31-3. And although Magic Mike was there, he really wasn't copping any pressure. 27-9, 27-6. And, you know, he looks to be pacing really good this time. He's not doing anything wrong. So he's on track to to start winding up to those better races from here on in. It's it's still not easy, you know. I think first up from break going in as a three year old into a sixty eight to seventy four. I mean, horses like Ultimate Huey and um, High Flying Harry and Magic Mike and these horses have been around. They're hardened and ready to roll. 
And he's just out of a gun, just to further the point we're already making, has defeated Catch a Wave, has defeated Captain Ravishing. Now, admittedly, neither of those horses were at their best on the nights that he's a son of a gun beat them, but he's still beating them. He, so was, the best. he was the best on the night. Correct. Yes. But uh, look, I know first up in the Metro racing is always very tough, but gee, when you get a run like he had, I mean, that yeah. was nothing but a trial for him. As I said, you, you know, those horses were hard fit. I would have loved to have seen something up putting pressure on, you know, they should have been running 29s and 30s and saying, no, you're not going to get away with that. But I think they just accepted that he's a nice horse in front and let him let him dictate terms to suit himself. Whereas if it had been a different horse in front, I reckon they would have been up and running. And I thought that was the only chance of them beating him was to put that pressure on and see exactly how fit he is. But they didn't do it. He got the race to run to his suit and, uh, and good on Matty Craven for getting away with it because uh, he's, you know, given his horse a nice run and he would have gone home and licked his feet, been clean and uh, been bounced around the paddock the next day. So what else can we take from the race? Uh, the one that I – I've got another black booker here early in the program. I it, Normally I wouldn't black book a horse like the last chance because – uh, his racing pattern says he'll only go forward under unique circumstances and he'll keep catching the eye uh, without winning. So you just think to yourself, well, you know, when is the next win going to be? But when you keep knocking on the door and you keep running races like he's running, I just can't help but think that the damn wall's going to bust at some point and it might be in a good race and he might be paying 10 or 12 or $15 when it happens. So that's the reason that he has gone in. What did you make of the remaining runners? Well, he's already in actually, Bon. We. I put him in two well, weeks ago. Well, when he's, he drew... he's doubling now. He's got the asterisk next to him now. <laughs> That's it. And look, he, he just keeps drawing bad. Like I put him in two weeks ago. He drew seven at Melton. You know, he's drawing six again here and gone really good. And and look, the one that I think is probably going to come out and win one very soon will be Magic Mike. I think he's just he's just so ultra consistent. He's racing back into good form again now. So he's probably one that I think will be pretty close to winning again as well. He was sort of... Uh... I don't think of him – well, he's a versatile character, but I don't necessarily think of him in this grade as a breeze horse. So he, he was almost consigned to play that role. I had him sitting there, but that was the role that he had to play. And you think to yourself, well, you know, when they're going that slowly, it's not that hard to sit in the breeze. But I tell you when it is, if you're not the one that's deciding when the button gets pushed, yeah. that's that's when it can be hard. I mean, Matty Craven decided when to roll – and Magic Mike just got dropped and then had to rally from there. It, re- it really is a battle when you're at the top end. Who's – Who's playing who here? Who's actually controlling the race? Is it the lead horse or the breeze horse? Because whoever presses the button, the other horse then has to respond to that button being pressed, don't they? They do. And he was a sitting duck to get swamped late, and he still managed to hold them all off. So that's why I put him in, because I just think that that toughness that he showed at the finish to actually hold all those off that were going to be coming home late over the top of him, I thought that was uh, a, a good sign for things to come. And a slightly better run from, well, Duke of Dundee's ticking along okay. Ultimate Huey, slightly better run, but certainly I still don't think back to his best because he's a pretty good horse when he's ride. Foolish Pleasure was okay. What are we making of High Flying? High Flying Harry is, um, he's lost me, I think, Cleaver, to be honest. He keeps turning out relatively short. He was a late drifter out at $12, but he was a clear second favourite for this race. And even coming to the turn, I thought, well, you've actually... Even though you've broken up early, you've got um, you might have got yourself into an okay position here with the slow sectionals, and he's got a three hundred meter burst of speed, but he's just he just can't find his rhythm or mojo. I don't think at the moment. No, not at the moment, and I think he's one that really needs that pace to be on early. If if they're going slow early, it just doesn't suit him at all. I know he's got a great uh, sprint on him, but again, you know, if if they go 
29s and 30s early, he will be showing that sprint. But when they go home in 27.9, 27.6, it just takes that sprint away from them because they're running those times. And, you know, as I said, for him to be making ground, he needs to be running, you know, sub 27s and they just can't do that. So he was, yeah, to get beaten 18 metres, I think that was a bit disappointing. Right, we'll get through one more before we get to the news, or we'll at least get your thoughts, I think, here, Clevey, for uh, a very good race. Three-year-old trot and only $14,000 up for grabs, but it was a real uh, a real look into what might be to come with some big races heading uh, heading or coming up towards spring and summer, particularly summer. Plymouth Chubb wins the comeback kid by Majestic Sun out of pocket fantasy. Uh, we know he, he went through a lot of turmoil and... Um, uh, there was more concern on the periphery than probably inside the Manning camp that he wouldn't get back Plymouth Chubb, but he's back now and third up from a break, he gets the win that he deserved. But I'm uh, I'm almost certain that your black book now gets some indelible link in it because Harry Stamper, I imagine, would be in it. And I wouldn't even be surprised if there's an asterisk next to Cormier who ran a very, very nice race. He's all muscle. I know that Wombat spoke, that is Toby McKinnon spoke to, uh, to Mark Pitt, Last week, and he was pretty happy with Hazel Muscle, who ran a good race. Um, not much to be said for the rest of the Marseille. Phoenix galloped late, but um, I'm assuming Harry Stamper finds his way into your black book, Clevy. In big capital letters, mate. He uh, he was exceptional. You look at the start. Uh, Herbie come running off the gate, trying to find the pegs first, knowing that uh, Plymouth Chubb would get across. But Chris uh, Finozia just done enough to keep him out on RC Phoenix, and he's had to restrain all the way back to last. And then... You know, I mean, they went 32-5 and 32-9, and Kez just looked after Plymouth Chubb. And uh, when Harry Stamper let loose, like he's, he was one out and three back or one out and two back, had to come wide on the corner. And around Kilmore, it's not easy, especially with trotters, but the ground he made up and how quick he made it up coming down the home straight was just amazing. So he's got to go in with uh, big, bold letters. As you say, uh, well, Plymouth Chubb was already in there, so we've got a winner off him. Um, and Cormier, yeah, it's just getting home sensational as well. So if it just finds its own grade, it'll be winning soon as well. And and like you say, uh, behind that, there's not much to say about the rest. Um, yeah, just wonderful to see Plymouth Chubb back to, back to his, well, not his best, but um, getting that win on the board. I think all three runs, to be honest, the last two in particular have been excellent for Plymouth Chubb. He was off the speed last time out, and here he was uh, he was superb. It was a question that, that I asked, and it, these are hypothetical, unanswerable questions, Cleveland, I know that. But I, I asked Kez a, a little bit jokingly in the post-race interview on Friday night at Kilmore, if they'd gone another 300 metres, would Plymouth Chubb have continued to hold Harry Stamper? And um, she jokingly, but potentially only half-jokingly, replied he would have got further in front, Plymouth Chubb. But I tend to I tend to agree. I love the run of Harry Stamper. I think nobody could have missed it. But I still felt right at the end, if Plymouth Chubb had have needed to dig in again, he would have continued to hold Harry Stamper. And I don't know. Harry Stamper's got this devastating turn of speed. I, I still haven't quite got my head around exactly how long it would go for in a big race, whether it's a 300, 400, 600, 800 metre burst of speed. No, 100%. I reckon his run was coming to an end, and rightfully so, uh, to the line. Like you said, another 50 metres or 100 metres maybe. But if they went another 400 metres, then Plymouth Sharp, I believe, I agree with Kes, I think he would have just charged away again because he, he can hold that for a long, long way, and especially after not doing too much early, uh, getting that first half a real slow breather. Harry Stamper, as I said, not taking anything away from him because he, the race was only finished at that finish and post. So he's timed his run and, and he's done a sensational run. But, yeah, I couldn't see him being able to sprint 
any further or faster um, if they had to kept going after the line. All right, it is quarter time in the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life here on SEN Track, and we're going to go find out what's happening in the world. News now, when we come back, we're going to talk about the most exciting pacer right now in the Southern Hemisphere and maybe the world. His name is Captain Ravishing. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 This is Coldplay again. Big Coldplay day from here, Tom Bang. Tomo joining us for the next couple of weeks while uh, JD rolls over uh, on uh, trade trade radio. Yeah, for, uh, it's so popular. Trade radio. I, I uh, Clevy, I can't quite get my head around. I, I, people just maybe it's just a momentum thing when horses go past the post, but when the AFL season's over and people are so desperate to work out who the 393rd best player in the AFL, whether he might go from Fremantle to Brisbane. It's incredible, the interest, isn't it? It certainly is. It's it's like trainers getting ready for yelling sales. <laughs> uh, but this is like a swap factory. Um, right, most exciting horse in the land at the moment, Captain Ravishing. I've already written uh, an article for the Herald Sun tomorrow and talking about the fact, and I'm quite serious about this, I reckon the Vic Derby... Stick with me, Clevy. I know you're probably going to disagree. The Derby has overtaken the Vic Carp as the most exciting race on October 8 at Tabcourt Park Melton. Now, I know that sounds crazy. The Victoria Cup, the first Grand Circuit race of the spring as we head into the New Zealand Cup and then all the way through to the Inter-Dominion Series. And you think to yourself, no, the older horses, that they've always got to take precedence. But I'm telling you right now, I don't know whether Akuta's coming here. I, I, I'm not sure. But when you think of Leap to Fame, if it comes, uh, catch a wave, Captain Ravishing alone, then if you if you bring the Kiwi into play, if he does come over, well, you're talking about potentially an all-time great derby. And it was weird. We already had a great narrative with horses from different jurisdictions prior to this. But Captain Ravishing has put a massive cherry on top of all of this. I know he's only won the, the Holloway and Reg Withers classics, but the way he's won them, he's gone the equal fastest final quarter in the history of the sport down under last week. And here he has obliterated the Kilmore 2180 metre track record by 1.4 seconds. It blows the mind. And on a cold, wintry night, like yeah. it wasn't exactly that pleasant or that fast a track, but he is uh, he's definitely something special. And I'm glad he did what he did. Um, you know, I mean, everyone was talking about 200 metres or 400 metres doesn't win a derby, but he showed a bit more versatility again the other night. He, he did a bit of work early, rolling forward to get to the front. Uh, but when he let him loose, he, he put pay to some nice horses and uh, – yeah, it, it's really exciting. And I think the reason why the Derby is becoming that talking point is because of the way these horses are winning. Whereas our big races, there is really not a lot between all of them and the Kilmore Cup. I mean, apart from the winner who won quite easily, the rest of them just finished in a big pack. And I think that's why it's going to take over it because all of a sudden we're like, well, who is the flashiest and who is the best three-year-old out there? Because the Victoria Cup, <laughs> it's just trying to pick the winner. But it's sort of not as flashy, but these three-year-olds, they're really flashy. You know, they, they're just excitement machines. I'll tell you the other thing, um, and this is with no disrespect, and I, I'm not saying this is even true, but there'd be, a, there'd be a reasonable cohort of people that think that at three years of age, Captain Ravishing could be winning the Victoria Cup if he wanted to. 
That's that, yeah. It wouldn't that's how wouldn't cra- be the most stupid comment, mate. Well, that's how crazy. I mean, this is not. This is insane. He's won here in one fifty four six. Now, when you talk about measurable speed tests, in, I don't care if it's humans or horses. Records don't get beaten by more than a second in two thousand and twenty two. It just doesn't happen. You don't. You beat them by 0.2 of a second. You don't beat them by 1.4 seconds. Correct. And he has been – he hasn't been under pressure in a tough race coming to the turn. He has been swinging coming to the turn, hasn't he? Like, he's just been absolutely bolting up. And there's every reason to believe he could have gone, well, a fair bit quicker. I don't know how much quicker, but a fair bit quicker than he did. Yeah, I was just about to come in with that as well. It's like, well, the fact that he beat it by one and a half seconds and was not put under pressure at all makes you wonder what happens if he was under pressure. You know, do they beat it by two seconds? And and you're talking times, you know, like you say, every time I've had a horse that can break a track record, you're only ever taking one-tenth of a second off. You're never smashing it. So to do what he's doing at the moment, all uh, – all the signs are pointing the right way and it is going to be, a, you know, it's going to be an amazing race. I just hope the draws can fall into place to make it an exciting race. So, and, and even saying that, I don't know how that they need to draw to, to create the most exciting race either because they've all just got something different about them, but they're all just so, you know, exciting. Um, it's going to be a great race. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, the, the thing about Captain Ravishing, I mean, we saw it on, I think he's, the gate speed would be there, of course, but, I think from what we saw on on Friday night, and it's certainly going up in trip to a derby trip, I don't think they'll be rushing him off the gate anyway. So if everybody thinks he's the benchmark now, I'm not sure everybody does, but a lot of people do. Then I don't think he's going to ping straight to the front anyway, because I just I I would be very surprised if they looked at a situation with him and thought, okay, even if we've got the the mildest question marks over the longer trip. Are we going to risk it by just rushing him off the gate and maybe firing him up? So I think he's, if he is to win the Derby, I think he's going to have to he's going to have to prove he's the best horse. Regardless, the amazing stat here: not only the one point four seconds, but horses like Bet on the Tiger, who uh, wanted a really good grade at Melton last start, forty one point four meters astern. Simply Sam came over here with a with a rap from Ray Green that you know he, he could be down the track in the same breath as Copy that. 22.2 metres. Interest-free has been very brave to be beaten 14.4. Kafaj is a good horse, 41.5. Commander Buzz, 58.4. I mean, they have been absolutely shellacked, haven't they? And they're nice horses. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I tell you what, the if you're just looking away from the winner at the moment, and I know he's got beaten 14 metres, but interest-free, I thought, was really a good. sensational really run. Good. Simply Sam was just going to run straight past him up the straight. It went to his inside and just looked like it was going to run straight past him and and interest for his run had come to an end. But to his credit, he kicked on and actually just pulled back away again from from Simply Sam. And and that's a massive run, you know, sitting outside that horse. And it's really hard when they're going that sort of speed. But going to the line, like Mark could not have really sat any quieter on him. He just... Yeah, he was just amazing, absolutely amazing. But like you say, they were just coming in at intervals for, you know, another 30 seconds after the finishing line. Okay, we might go for it. A little bit of an early break here on uh, on Metrospective or on the Metrospective edition of Trots Off. I'm with Do you, Dave. Bef- so before we go to a break, uh, 
Are you going to mention? Are you going to mention me? You're, are you going to take this opportunity to mention me locking myself out on? Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was going to ask if you were going to grab, <laughs> grab a key card because I don't want to be paddling again like I was said like Saturday night. Like. Uh, it was it was all on purpose, you know that, don't you, Cleve? It was like a baptism yeah. of fire. He's a little he's a little like practical test to see how you can. No, I just lock myself out for for a sec. But anyway, uh, I won't be going out for a breath of fresh air at this stage. But we will be going for a break. And I'm with you, interest free. Was very, very, very good. Once again, a scintillating final half of 54-4. You've been parked out and you've beaten the rest by a long way. It was a little bit of an indictment, I do believe, also on Simply Sam for not being able to go with him. But interest-free is very good. Whether any of these horses could go anywhere near Captain Ravishing in a derby final, that could only happen, I believe, if Captain Ravishing absolutely simply does not stay a long trip because he was in a different world on Friday night. Time for a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the first of two big features in the night at Kilmore on Friday, the MC Labor Kilmore Trotters Cup, won by Just Believe in Lara J Farm. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 what a great song. Puts you in a good mood, that. Lewis Capaldi. What a man. What a man. What a mighty good man. Right, retrospective. We continue on, and we're going to get stuck into having a look. while poor old uh, Tom Bag is having all sorts of trouble with Optus, and apparently I, I might have copped a little bit of a breach. I didn't even remember that I was with Optus at any stage during my life, but it's been a long life, and apparently I was. So um, hopefully they're not stealing all my details at the moment, but I don't know there's much... Well, I've probably lost them and they can't even find them because I, I, they could they could string me up and I wouldn't be able to tell them where my details are because I've lost them at some stage during my life anyway. All right, let's you keep... You lose uh, everything, Bon. I do. I've, um, dignity only barely intact. Um, did, hey, did you have an asthma attack uh, Saturday night at all? Because when you got out of the car and I dropped you off, you left your uh, Ventolin there we go. Uh, inhaler on my seat. Like, you're always leaving something behind. You can't help yourself. Uh, it was just a memento, so something to re- uh, remember me by. But, I, um, no, I had to get up in the morning and go and get another one. So, at least we know where it ended up. Um, uh, MC Labor, Kilmore Trotters Cup, over the, um, over the long trip. And we spoke about this a little bit when we were on air on, uh, on Saturday night, Cleavy, 3,150 metres. Uh, and the same goes for the Kilmore Pacing Cup we'll talk about soon. But because they run not enough of these races, uh, everyone sort of protects themselves a little bit. It is a standing start, at least, I guess. But first quarter, 31.4. Second quarter, 32.7. And look, I don't think anybody wants group two races of the esteem and um, well held in the esteem that uh, the Kilmore Trotters Cup is to be won in a mile rate of 26.2. It just doesn't seem right. Having said that, you can't take anything away from the winner. Just believe who is a horse going places. Yeah, no, it's gone super. I mean, it, it ran third in an Inter Dominion uh, last year and came back after that and, and probably just went fair, I thought, for the rest of the next prep. And then it went back out for a spell and it's returned now. Mick Hughes has uh, sort of had a bit of a change in lifestyle and he sent his horses to different stables and this one landed with Greg and Jess uh, at uh, Lara J Farm and and they're doing an excellent job with it. It's just come back in fine style and uh, it's now won a couple of cup, cups in succession and just going along beautifully leading into the Inters. It's very, very hard as always though, as mentioned, with those very slow sectionals. So you end up with a situation where 
the position in which you have landed is likely very close to the position in which you'll finish because you're getting home in 57-5, the final half, and we know that trotters, despite the fact that they're a lot, lot, lot quicker these days than they used to be, can't generally make up ground um, quite like paces can and can't go quite those same numbers. Have horse wheel travel. Um, we did isolate prior to the races. A horse who's going a lot better than the figure form one would suggest. And off 30 metres, even though he always begins or pretty much always begins quickly from the strands, for him to uh, finish only 4.2 metres away, there's there's definitely a race around the corner for him. Baltica was brave, serving it up to just believe until the concluding stage is when just hit a little bit of a wall. The run of the race, mathematically at least and visually, was a horse who... Can just t- does your head in. Does my head in. Oh, because I do love him, but... I felt he had the. I felt he had his chance to win last week, Powder Keg, but he couldn't help but be impressed with the way he got home here. Oh, look, that was just super. I was talking to Lisa uh, the next morning, and and she said, you know, we lost so much ground. She said I just wanted to keep punching up the fence and just let him finish off on the bit, but he started pulling. Uh, going down the back straight the last time and she said I had to just keep following him out because no one else was going and she said he just hit the line and when when he got clear air about 100 out his ears went back he savaged the lines so we just got to find a race where he, he can just get that right run he likes to be he needs a run like he did if you forget that he galloped out he needs something to cart him up into it he doesn't want to be the first one out but if he can get a cart up into it and then break late and, and have a crack at it, he, he'll be winning one really soon. He stays in the black book. I think I put him in there a couple of starts ago. And Bolticker again. I mean, not a death seed horse. That was a huge run to be able to finish so closely. So, again, she stays in as well. Probably the only other run worthy of mentioning. Well, it's all cashed up there. But Robbie Royale was didn't have a lot of clear room in the concluding stages. was just sort of hunting up in between runners. So, it's only been beaten 8.2 metres as well. They're all – when we're looking forward to the big races, though, I think that, you know, Powder King's already proven that if he if he went through it into Dominion Series and he was enjoying himself and and, uh, and progressing through that series well, he could easily make it into Dominion Final and even place it in an into Dominion Final. Baltic, I think, is heading in the right direction. And just believe – I was a bit playful, and I didn't want to take the uh, take the messaging too far with Greg Sugars because it's going to be uh, it's going to be a little bit tender at some point potentially. But he is the regular driver, the Candyman of Maori Law. Uh, I'm not saying just believes quite in the Maori Law category yet, but if they were to meet at some point, geez, yeah, <laughs> it's a tough decision. And and look, this is a a really tough point too for trainers and. I don't know what's going to happen here. They're saying there's only two heats going to be run for the trotters. Um, I'm not a fan of that. I believe they need to have three. I'm sure when they look at the nominations, when they close, they'll probably make a decision whether they're going to run two or whether they're going to run three. But for mine, if there's any chance that they're talking about it, and as I said, I don't know. This is just my thoughts. If there's any chance HRV are talking about running three heats, they need to mention that now because you'd hate to have one of these horses like Powder Keg, even the winner Just Believe, they're not guaranteed a run. They're they're so far down the list when it comes to that short list that they've got that they may not even get a run in the Inter-Dominion. And, and, you know, this horse, the winner Just Believe, ran third in the Inter last year and may not get a start this year. But imagine if they said, okay, we can't go in the Inter, let's change what we're doing now and we're going to head another way and then they just pop up and say oh we're going to run three heats now like you would be shattered and and you couldn't blame them for going a different direction if you just thought it was mathematically impossible to get into the inner dominion heat so i don't know whether 
they are looking at running three or if they're just dead set on two. But if they're looking at running three heats, I hope they can come out before noms close and say, yep, we're running three heats. Get your horses ready. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it upon myself uh, between uh, – I will hope to have something tomorrow. I'll uh, ask the appropriate humans. Uh, I'll hope to have something tomorrow, and if not, definitely by Wednesday, but hopefully by tomorrow. Not a definitive answer. I, I, I tend to think in the back of my mind when these budgets are set, it's unlikely that they're going to change tack and have, and have three heats, but – uh, I will ask the question at least so that we can get the ball rolling to the point where we've got a date maybe to say, okay, this is this is the date that we're going to absolutely make a definitive decision on this. Um, and maybe that definitive decision has already been made, but uh, it's a good point, Cleve, and I will chase it up. And I know Greg was talking about it um, a fair bit on uh, during the post-race interview after Just Believe won the Kilmore Trotters Cup as well. And I think it's something on the minds of a lot of trainers, owners, and connections of horses who would love to be in the Inter-Dominion Series for Trotters, particularly given the fact that right here and right now, I'm not sure there's a dead-set, stone-cold, obvious standout to win that series, although the Kiwis might have a different idea. Let's go for our final break in the first hour. Come back. We've still got one big hour of Metrospective coming up here on Trot's Life on your favourite racing radio station or radio station in general, SEN Track. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Hour two of Metrospective. Uh, we're joined by Steve Cleaver as always and Jay Bot in the studio. Congrats to Mitch Lewis, our same racer punter of the week. We love Mitchie Lewis. Form guide breakdowns, of course. Mitch wins a share in At My Racehorse AU's exciting two-year-old colt by first season sire Grunt. Well done, Mitch and Chels, of course. Uh, two of the great people that came in to visit one night. Um, for the lids fly, and Mitchie Lewis, um, a lover of all three codes, but he does a great job with the form guide breakdowns, and that's a nice little promotional tool for him as well, winning the same race of punter of the week. Good on you, Mitchie. Love you, bro. All right, now, let's continue to move forward and see if we can find some winners for upcoming weeks based on the meeting staged at Kilmore on Friday night. Kilmore Cup night, famous night in the history of harness racing in this part of the world. And the big one was the Jet Roofing Kilmore Pacing Cup at Group 2 level, won by Rock and Roll Do. And really, uh, right now, I know Mick Stanley's already been uh, out and proud, and I think he's now confirmed uh, via Adam Hamilton that uh, Rock and Roll Do will be going to the New Zealand Cup. There's a flight that's been uh, that's been isolated, but he's got the Victoria Cup before that. And, and Mick's been pretty clear. Look, the Vic Cup, 2,240 metres at Melton, Mobile conditions, the draw could ensure well, the draw could make it very hard for you to win. But pound for pound, right now, after winning the Kilmore Cup and also the VHRC Caduceus Classic at Group One level, I think he probably deserves to be favourite for the Vic Cup, doesn't he, Clevy? On that run uh, the other night, I, I think he's certainly got to be at least equal favourite. I mean, that was that was dominant. Um, I thought that was a real statement run. 
I know they probably didn't go overly hard early. No one really got taxed to find their position, but, you know, he, he just ran good solid times after that, 29-7, 30.7, 7 He got them all off the bit down the back and home in 27-9. And honestly, he, he did actually make the next lot look uh, not second rate, but sort of not as good as probably what they actually went because most of the horses behind him all need that speed on early to be to be sweeping home, but they just couldn't really get into it. All right, let's go through the, the remaining runners now. Go from bottom to top. So, like a wildfire, first off, from a break, just had to do too much work. Although there was a, there yeah. is a query and a follow up report, and hopefully nothing comes out of that. Yeah, uh, a bit hard to sit in the desk seat, especially when they're running those times first uh, up. Mighty flying out, Tango Tara um, back in the field didn't make any impression. Supreme Dominator um, did it get dragged back a little bit by like a wildfire. Or was it a bit disappointing? Uh, it was struggling before Like a Wildfire dropped out. Max Delight had to peel off his back because he was under the stick down the back straight and and then got held up sort of on the corner. So it was a little bit disappointing, but, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a put a line through it, I'd say. Will he go west? I think there's a confirmation again there. Sort of it was maybe starting to t- turn around in people's minds, but I think – lead roll-along horse to be really competitive at this level. Um, I'm not sure he's a horse that likes to go along the inside. A couple of great runs. Uh, I, amazingly, and I don't, again, I don't know what race he's going to win, but Crime Rider goes into my black book. Bulletproof Boy and Crime Rider were both awesome. Bulletproof Boy just does not know how to run a bad race. And Crime Rider's last two, I'm not saying he could win a Victoria Cup, but I'm... Oh, well, he won't get in a Victoria Cup. So whatever the um, uh, whatever the backup race on the same night is, I don't know if it's a Casey Classic or something on the same night. I might check the meeting calendar. But there's got to be a race for Crime Rider the way he's going. Yeah, certainly just taking him out of this top class, I think you'll find he's right race for sure. But as I said, I don't think he's up to quite that level of, you know, the good horses. I mean, Max Delight, uh, Honolulu Bay, you know, they sort of – they had to make their runs when they were running those quick quarters and uh, and it's really hard to make ground. So they've gone really good. Um, yeah, the ones behind them, as I said, Bulletproof Boy and Crime Wider are still good, but they were still another six metres behind that group. So, um, yeah, the winner I thought was brilliant. The next lot I thought they all went very good. And then the back lot, I thought they all went average. So that's pretty much how I paired the race back. So that's the uh, popular arm free-for-all that will be on the same night. What? A, have a listen to this program, by the way, on, on October 8. Prize Easy Feed Victoria Cup at Group 1 level. Garrard's popular arm free-for-all at Group 3 level. Vic Bread Platinum Pace at Group 3 level. For the 70 to 79 Vic Bread only horses. The mate mine, Cullen, for the mares at Group 3 level, which is leg one of the um, of the Elizabeth Clark Mayor's Triple Crown. The Down by the Seaside Victoria Derby Final at Group 1 level. The Prize Easy Feed Victoria Oaks Final at Group 1 level. The Elabar Vic Bread Platinum Homegrown Classic Final for the two-year-old Colts and Goldings at Group 2 level and for the Phillies at Group 2 level. The Elder Baron Park Bill Collin Trotter Sprint at Group 1 level and the VHRC Caduceus Homefield at Group 2 level. This is now actually... This is the number one meeting of the year, isn't it? Like... The Hunter Cup's not even the Hunter Cup meeting's not as strong as this. 
No, this is just and, – and I suppose the Hunter Cup used to have the derby in that with it, I think, off memory. The yeah, derby used to be yeah. around the same night as Hunter Cup night. So it sort of changed a bit now with the change of the seasons, and that that's just an amazing card when you start reading off those races. It's just going to be – you know, even just as a headline act, most of those races would be all right standing on their own. But to have that all on one night, it's just going to be massive, and I hope we can get some really good promotion out there for it. Um, we've already spoken about the, the other runners uh, – Max Shard was backed heavily. I thought, you know, every conceivable I would have thought. Maybe he can improve a little bit, but I'm not sure he's going to be winning a Victoria Cup based on that. <clears throat> Max Delight, you've mentioned, uh, he didn't have a lot of luck, had to pull wide, uh, was running, as you mentioned, during that very fast 26.7 second penultimate quarter, premiership quarter, and he's on track. And for all those bets, we, we've all had it 100 to 1 and $20 <laughs> to place. So we hope that he can, he will, we, he must get into the Victoria Cup field as the defending champion. He must get in, yes. I think you'd have to get him yeah. just on the way he's racing anyway. Uh, could be cramped and weird at the, at the bottom end of that. Uh, Honolulu Bay. Honolulu Bay, it's weird. Probably we looked. We look at Honolulu Bay and the question mark was over, you know, his staying prowess. But you didn't really need to be a stayer in this race, did you? And Honolulu Bay, Honolulu Bay was very good. It's probably just that edge of, there was almost a, a little bit of an edge of invincibility around Honolulu Bay that's now just been chipped away at but he's not racing badly no correct he's still racing very well and as i said after after the winner i thought that next five like toad saint honolulu bay max shard well even leave max shard out of that but max delight bulletproof boy they're all horses that love it when they're going to war up front and they'll be really flying home so when this race was run the opposite way there was no pressure on the leader and then it was a sprint home that took their their ace out of their deck, I suppose. So all of a sudden they were racing on someone else's terms and not their terms. So that's why I still think all of those horses went quite good. Uh, but the winner just dominated the race, basically. And sorry to say, it, it, it's, still, it's still sort of hanging around in the zeitgeist that he could, under the right circumstances, he'll need the right draw. But he could be very dangerous in a Victoria Cup because he was held up for momentum even. Um, and, you know, you look at two um, horse and cart lengths, they're normally about four metres. So he's had to come, take, you know, add on a little bit of lost momentum, maybe nine metres off uh, Rock and Roll Do and got to within seven. So he's, he's encroached some ground. But Rock and Roll Do, a deserving winner. And um, like I say, pound for pound right now without, without a draw being available and with another race to come this weekend before we get to the Victoria Cup in exactly 12 days' time, uh, Rock and Roll Do, I think, deserves to be favourite based on those two outstanding wins at his past two starts. And critically, I reckon, critically, Clevy, he's done them in disparate ways. He's won in disparate ways. So he's led and he's come from behind. And we know a lot of top-line horses um, are excellent at doing one thing, but Rock and Roll Do's won these two critical major lead-ups to the Victoria Cup in different ways. Yeah, and that's what I think that's what separates him, like you say, from that next half a dozen horses that were in that field Friday night is he could sit back and, and he showed that two starts ago and the devastating sprint that he's got is just unbelievable. But he's now shown that, hey, I'm pretty tough too. And he'd shown that earlier on that he could be driven tough um, as well. So, you know, when you've got two different styles of racing going for you in your own pattern. You know you've got a little bit extra on some of those ones that can only be driven one way. And and that's why I actually put a tweet out straight away Friday night and just said, mate, congratulations, Mick. Huge win. And that was an absolute 
warning to the Kiwis that if this horse goes over there, uh, they better watch out because uh, I, I think his racing style will really suit that New Zealand Cup. I can't help but agree. Good timing for me to tune in. Thanks to the love, Jay Bond. Mitchie Lewis, no, you fully deserve it, mate, and uh, congratulations. That's, uh, that's an outstanding effort winning same racer, punter of the week. Time for a break here on Trot's Live Metrospective Edition. When we come back, we'll get through races eight and nine. Four races left to go. Trying to find you some winners for the future based on the meeting stage at Kilmore on Friday night. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Welcome back. SEN Track. Just, we're just going to get off harness racing for a moment. I know everyone's talking about this on the on the major SEN channel, but do you have any uh, any particular thoughts on? Apparently, this was the lowest rated TV grand final of all time. What do you reckon, Clay? Was it just is it because the game was over so early, or what? what or that people people just um, I don't know cooked after a. Couldn't be stuffed after a, a long, long, long weekend. It sounds bizarre to me. Have you got any theories? I uh, don't know how many Sydney people come down for it, but I reckon if it had been a Collingwood Geelong grand final, it might have been a little bit different. Um, that's probably half of it because New South Wales, I suppose they're probably more interested in uh, the, the rugby side of it than the AFL when it comes to strength. So possibly that could have had something to do with it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I know... She driving home from the studio there, SEN Studio, Saturday night. I couldn't believe seeing how many people were back out on the streets. Last time I went in the city, it was like a ghost town and uh, there was people everywhere. So I'm not sure what the crowd was like actually at the game, but um, maybe that had something to do with it, just with the uh, the viewing. I reckon it does. Even even that, and during the course of the season, there were a couple of times where there was a concern about crowd numbers. It, it tells you more than ever. That, well, there's a couple of things going on, I reckon. The cost of living. Um, to get this isn't watching it at home, but getting out to sporting events like racing and, and footy is increasingly difficult. And I think we have to do whatever we can to make it, um, we'll certainly make sure people are paying nothing to go to the trots ever and like just to get in and paying as little as possible when they get there and maybe then hoping that it transfers to the punt. Um, but the, the competitive battle between sports, I mean, this is. This is a situation racing and harness racing finds itself in, I reckon, where, you know, back in the day when you and I were growing up, there was uh, footy season and cricket season and racing in between and, you know, racing all year round. But you know what I mean? For most people, racing in between in the autumn and the spring. And there weren't a lot lot of other options to to get your memberships or spend your money or get your merchandise. Now there's a million, aren't there? There's just an incredible number of options in the sporting landscape. And that's... That's the battle that we face day in, day out, week in, week out. Yeah, absolutely. And then you throw in, you know, all your streaming services and all that. I mean, I know they're not expensive, but everyone's only got so much spare money to spend on that sort of thing. So, you know, if you've got a few of those streaming services, that eats into the money you'd normally, you know, enjoy a night out with. But I know... And, and I don't get up to the bars or anything like that at, at the trots and that very often, but I went to a function one night at at Melton and um, I don't drink beer, wine or 
soft drink basically so there was free you know that on on the tab but I, i'm a bourbon drinker but i went up to have a bourbon and it was 13 dollars, and i nearly fell over and i'm like mate well that's the end of my night i had one and and if you're going there with a, with a certain amount of money to spend you can't afford to be buying drinks at that much and having bets and so forth you just say I'd rather stay at home and buy a four-pack for nearly the same amount and watch it on the TV. <laughs> right. Too true. Race eight um, on Friday night at Kilmore was won by Naratark Prince, who was first up from a break again. Emma Stewart's so good at doing this, Emma and Clayton, getting these horses ready to ready to go, go first up from a break. Sweat wide on the turn. Argyle, <laughs> I guess we have got the message. We got Argyle after the first up win. Ray Green was very much like, yeah, he's nothing more than a nice horse. And... He just capitulated. He dragged back a number of runners with him, pulled the other leg, I think, was well, I'm certain. There was a query there and a vet examination, further uh, follow-up report, and he was he was definitely not at his best. I can I can say that with unequivocally. And there were a couple of others that I think went unders, but Naratark Prince was very good. I, the one thing I will say is I reckon some people are going to look at this win from Naratark Prince because he's always been a really nice horse, hasn't he, Clevy, and think – Oh geez, how far can you go? That was that was explosive to come from where you did. But I do look at the fact that Rick Riley, who while he's a very nice horse, is not a superstar, has probably gone at least as well, if not better, than Naratak Prince. Yeah, no, I put Rick Riley in the my black book on on the way he got home. He he absolutely flew from back there. It was it was a funny sort of race. I mean, pulled the other leg at when it peeled out, you know, before the home corner, you just went, well, it's home. You know, he was just absolutely jogging. But then you should say it, it's just gone, you know, fair. And the swoopers have managed to come off its back and uh, and run straight past him. And I was just flicking through Naratak Prince's um, form uh, going back early and back when it was with David Aiken Stable. And, you know, it's been racing in the the – APG series that raced in the uh, the Breeders' Crown series last season and the Vic Bread, you know, so it's always been thereabouts but hasn't been able to sort of win one, uh, one of the big ones. So it's good to see it come back so well. It looks like it's improved with a little bit of a, a break and, and also joined the Emma Stewart stable hasn't hurt that as well. Um, Jalibi Nitro was another one that caught the eye. He flashed up late when Valachi came off the fence. He started kicking through and then ran straight up the back of Argyle and had to grab hold again, but then flashed again late. So he's another one to watch. But, um, yeah, it, it was a sort of funny race, but I'd, I'd be putting a line through Argyle. I wouldn't be uh, getting my wraps up on him anymore. He had the perfect run out in front and just couldn't, you know, I mean, they, they went 27-4 down the back and home in 29-2. Yeah, he, he he was poor. I thought Aussie Playboy was well done his best form, but that's not where he lives, sitting outside the leader. Pulled the other leg, as mentioned. I think it's a forgive run. Um, <clears throat> Blitzen is an interesting one. Just sort of, he can do this a little bit, and you just wonder. We, we've spoken, we spoke about this on Trot's Vision, actually, on Friday night. I think Alan McDonald's always been a believer that he, you know, he's not a breeze horse, but it feels to me when he's back in a field, he, he can just get a little bit lazy and you have to stoke him up. He actually finished off pretty well, but by the time he'd hit his top gear, you know, Naratark Princeton had come around him and even Rick Rowley, who's probably not known as a pickup horse, and they picked up all the momentum on him while he was just, while he was going through his gears and, and, and trying to stoke himself up, Blitzen. So it feels like to me, I did think he was going to, you know, go all the way through and pretty quickly get to the free-for-all level, but 
it feels to me as though his best race is going to be where he can get to the breeze without having to do too much work, control things, and then use his speed from there. Because a couple of times where he has been in that position, he was in Friday night, he just hasn't been in the finish for mine. Yeah, no, I think he certainly changed because Valachi also, who was being held up on uh, pull the other legs back, even managed to beat him home when he had clear running. So um, he, I think he is much better now watching his racing pattern out in front or or in the death and just doing it to suit his style, whereas... As a three-year-old, they said, you know, he, he came off in the derby heats with a quick sprint and, and managed to run him down, and he looked like that was his best go. But he looks a lot tougher now. I know first up, I sat outside of him with Mirakura at Cranbourne, and, you know, he just, just ran quarters. Just I think we went 156 or might have broke 156, you know, and they've got 157 here. Um, and there's not that much difference in the two tracks when it comes to speed. Neither of them are fast tracks. So he just doesn't – I don't think he seems as good now being driven that way. I, I think he just seems much happier getting out and, and playing the tough horse. Very, very interesting. You know, he's, he's still a nice horse, there's no doubt about it. Um, uh, Naratak Prince, going back to the winner quickly, he's – it's a wonderful family. Turn it up. Uh, of course, early doors looked like he was going to be anything. I think he won an Auckland Company six or seven start, or certainly within his first ten starts. Uh, he's also a full brother to Treasure in perfect sense. So, by the way, what I was saying earlier, like I'm not saying Naratak Prince isn't going to go on with it because I've always had a really good opinion of him. Just as you mentioned, going back through some of those big futurity runs, I've always had that really good opinion of him as well. Um, but I, I'm probably just moderating slightly how the win looked absolutely phenomenal on Friday night. But um, I think when you look at the way a few were dragged back out of it, maybe it was ju- it just looked a touch better than it, it actually was. That's not to say it wasn't good. It probably just wasn't as phenomenal as it appeared visually. It was nice to see, well, Valachi got home pretty well, but it was nice to see Jillaby Nitro. He got held up and uh, and darted home along the inside because I felt like this was a bit of a, a bit of a D night run for, for Jillaby Nitro and he passed. Yeah, and you got to imagine, remember too, sorry, they, they've gone home in 29-2. So it was the slowest quarter, you know, out of the two, the 27-4 down the back and then 29-2 home. So those swoopers should be really making ground when the leaders are stopping and uh, and they're only getting home in 29-2. 100%. We'll get through one more race and then go and find out what's happening in the world once more. Uh, the 7 Cup. Uh, one by Makeway was the ninth event on the program. Probably should have read the uh, tea leaves here. We saw in the score up that uh, Sicario was getting um, was getting clicked up and looked like he was going to go forward for the first time in a fair while. A um, little bit of uh, yeah, Mike Makeway and, and Sicario probably maybe could have seen this coming, but for some reason didn't. Cosimo, I thought, was very, very good. Major Jealous, another one of the McCarthy team runners, along with Max Shard, that was back very, very heavily. And I could only imagine that wasn't Intel. It was more just people and their respect for Luke and Belinda McCarthy that they just launched into these things. Because Major Jealous, even though he was only beaten 2.3 metres, I didn't think had the form to be going around as the favourite. But uh, Cosimo, really good. And you just wonder whether his stablemate, Shorty's mate, won't get a little bit of confidence. Now, he only finished second last year, but down in grade... I know it's an 85 to 120, but down in grade on what he'd actually been racing, he was slicing home nicely along the inside. And in similar races, you just get the feeling he'll he'll find his chance to win one if he can stay around this sort of level, I reckon, Clevy. Yeah, absolutely. And just getting back to Friday night, I, I was at home watching, so I don't know. Was there a, a headwind in the home straight or was it breezy at all down there Friday night? 
Um, well, you could tell I, I wasn't. Uh, it just felt like it was uh, minus twelve degrees at times, uh, and there was there was a little bit of wind going around. But I think it was a traditional Kilmore wind because you could, the way they were running those third quarters uh, probably told you that there was a little bit of a um, a headwind coming into the straight because they, most of the third quarters were faster than the final quarters. But um, in this instance, was there anything in particular that where that that pl- could have played a role? No, I just noticed throughout the night, like a lot of the third quarters were much, much quicker. You know, the previous race, 27-4, they got over 29-2. This race, Ants let go and went 26-7 down the back, 28-1. And you go back through most of the races, they they were really getting a lot quicker through that third quarter. Um, you know, you go rock and roll do again. I, I know that's a driving style to do that, but I just didn't know whether maybe it was accentuated by a breeze because the the, the wind at Kilmore can make a big difference. You can be either going into a, a belter of a headwind down the back straight where you just do not want to be pulling three wide with that cover, or you can be running into the headwind up the home straight. So that's why I just asked because maybe it was just driving style for the night that they did all sort of get running. Uh, down that third quarter, but there, there seemed to be a large disparity of, you know, 26-7 and then 28-1. And as I said, that previous race, to only get home in 29-2, I just wondered if maybe it was a, a strong headwind up the straight, which would then, you know, counteract those times a bit. All right, we will go to the news now, find out what's happening in the world back in a few minutes, and we'll be taking in or having a look at the last couple of races on Kilmore Cup night to try and find winners for the future on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life right here on SEN Track. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 That's great. Love you, Avril. Love you long time. Love you forever, actually. Two more races to go. Did you know to put me in a good mood, Tom Bang? I love that. This is my favourite win of the night without any question. Vincenzina in the momentum gaming pace. 67-89 affair. And I can understand there was another. And I swear, I swear to the Lord above... Our Lord and Saviour, I swear there's way more, um, and I understand it's an integrity thing because the integrity is better than ever before, but of like good horses um, going well below their best. Now, I'm not sure Polly put Kettle on fits into that category, but clearly it had to be below whatever its best was to be beaten 30.6 metres. But uh, it's, it's just a, a far more fragile breed these days than I think it once was and makes really launching into multis or going uh, too hard pretty hard because uh, you don't know if one of them's maybe not going to beat its best, but I don't think, well, said all week, I didn't think it should be a $1.75 favourite regardless. I think people just think they've looked at Von Art and Soho Historia and they think, uh, well, if Summit Bloodstock bring horses, bring mares to to uh, the Emma Stewart stable, that they're just going to turn up and win. But Vincenzina was too good here and um, she, she's, she's really good. I spoke to Emma Brosnan, obviously, in the post-race interview, Clevy, and I'm thinking without those group of four-year-old mares that are just so outstanding, like Vincenzina's not that far off being in and being really competitive in those good mares races, in my opinion. Yeah, she put in a couple of runs at Melton where she really sort of caught the eye, and, and I was a little bit, I suppose, I didn't get wrapped up by her early. I thought she was 
possibly a bit of a non-winner. She sort of just always looked like she was going to win, but then just never seemed to really want to stick that head out and, and grab it. But she seems to have, you know, really turned it on now and, and she's got that sort of racing aggressiveness back in where she's actually really hitting the line strong, which is great to see. And and once they start getting in that sort of mode, then then they're hard to sort of beat. And, and she's certainly uh, going good enough to win, you know, maybe another couple pretty quick going through. I think you're right. Um, eye-catching run from... Uh, you wouldn't believe it. It's three eye-catching runs from three runners. Orby just flew home for, for Greg Fleming. It was a, a massive performance in the concluding stages. And Art of Shing Lee, did we, was this just the moment where all the very tough racing and the outstanding performances that we might have just hit a brick wall for a moment? Yeah, she had a crack early. Um, you know, they went 5.3 lead time, first quarter in 27.3, settled the fence and... Look, she's probably, I was just quickly watching the replay, she wasn't that bad. She's probably held up a bit up the straight and and maybe didn't get to sprint, but that's not her style to be, you know, pegs and then up the sprint lane. And she wasn't pushed out over the finish. She was just sort of holding the ground when the, the two sweepers ran past. So I, I wouldn't take any notice of that run, actually. I'd just put a black line. I wouldn't give it a cross. I wouldn't give it a tick. Here she comes, Sassy. Based on that as well, though, I think we've got to give a tick to here she comes, Sassy, as well, because... Um, I know that Art of Sheng Lee was doing it out wide and trying to charge across. Here she comes, Sassy. But to boot up in that 5.3 slash 27.3 and only be, be beaten less than six metres, um, there might have been a reason why D Miles came all the way to Kilmore for, for one runner. <laughs> That's it. The whole 15 minutes down the road. But, yeah, <laughs> it certainly did go good. But, um, yeah, just looking at Art of Sheng Lee compared to that, it was probably, you know, seven metres off uh, – here comes Sassy's back, being an extra runner back, and then finished the same distance away at the finish. So that's why I wouldn't really stress too much about Arda Lee's run. And uh, as she said, here comes Sassy, a certainly good run after using that early speed burn. And and basically anything that was in the early burn couldn't get past her. It was just two that were sitting out in the back that had done nothing that just went wooshka. It's Beaujolais was okay. Cousinova was a nice run. I, I, I spoke to Alan McDonough earlier in the night and asked him about Blitzen, and he said he thinks Cousinova was the better chance of winning. Well, it, it's it's gone good, beating only 1.5 metres. Yeah, no, you got on good, actually. I've got it uh, marked down as a question mark for the black book. I, I think it's probably going to win soon, but the class, it's sort of hard. You've got to get the right draw. It's, it's another one that I just put a question mark on, whether I put it in or don't I put it in, because it's, it's going to need that right run like it got the other night. So if it draws bad, it needs hard speed early or it needs to draw good. So it'll, it'll definitely win one soon, but it does need the right run to get it. And the final event on the card, and after this we'll come back from a break and go through our black bookers in the meeting, and it's uh, still a decision-making process, it sounds like, for Cleve. He's, he's got marks everywhere on that book, and he has to decide who gets in and who stays out. Well, there'll be one getting in here for me, but I'll tell you what, emotionally, he's in my black book for life, and his name's Chinese Whisper. Well, well done to Snooze for Nose, yo. Anywhere he goes, it's, it's been an excellent win. Um, and anywhere you go, Dan Malecki, congratulations to him, of course, our number one race caller and uh, an excellent judge and a man who more often than not, not last week, but more often than not now, uh, joins me on the Friday form panel, sort of mentioned, I think this horse is ticking along better than its figure form line would suggest. 
And um, certainly that was the case. He's been a great horse all the way through. Talk about the home field coming up on October 8. Well, I reckon anywhere Hugo won the home field, potentially uh, back as a three-year-old. He was a top liner back in those days. He's now seven years of age. He's not quite at that level anymore. But when you're beating horses like Alpha Male and Chinese Whisper, you're still going pretty well. And for anyone who got the $34, congratulations. Unfortunately, uh, our old mate Alpha Male was um, – Every time you think that he's uh, he's probably over the madnesses, he proves you wrong. Yeah, he's just one of those horses, isn't he? You just think he's starting to put everything together and then he just says, no, nah, tonight, tonight, I'm going to get fired up. He was really sweated up and uh, once he found the front, he did not really want to settle at all. I mean, he got away with a 31-3 and a 31-4, but when you're pulling and uh, and fighting the driver, it can certainly take a bit of wind out of you. It's it's not as easy as doing that when you're nice and relaxed. And uh, Snooze just sat back. You know, he's been driving this horse nice and quietly. Well, he didn't drive last start, but uh, he's just been punching through his, you know, runs just without knocking him around. And the small field certainly helped him. And when he let him loose, he, he went really good. He grabbed hold of the bit and just charged up. I think Snooze might have thought, oh, he, he's... He sort of can't win. He was kidding to him around the corner, just trying to keep his, you know, the bit in the mouth and say, come on, mate, do your best. And, yeah, he just kept digging deep, which was fantastic. But as you say, Chinese whisper, definite black booker. That was just a massive run to lose all that ground, finally tack on. And, and yeah, that that was just huge. You wouldn't expect that uh, that horse to be running second after they'd gone a lot, that's for sure. Uh, he's he's uh, he's a unique talent. He really is a Chinese whisperer. I know they've got home in their last quarter and 30 seconds, and he might have um, been a touch flattered. But I'll tell you what, when he's in the mood, he's, uh, he's very, very fast. He rolled out. I did think at the top of the lane when he started to really go that he might get there. But anyway, he goes over to hold him by 1.3 metres. It was an improved run by a lady in the sky who I think he's better suited off the speed to some degree, Clevy. Yeah, I think so. She's another one that um, can sort of grab you. She she showed some really good runs and then some nice runs, but you just sort of think, oh, maybe she's not going to get there how we thought she would, and then all of a sudden she'll explode again. So she's certainly a, a perennial place getter. She likes to finish around the money all the time. It's just waiting for her to really crack it. Like her last win was at Cranbourne. Um but she won, you know, she ran, I think, half a dozen placings around that. So, you know, she's always thereabouts. You can count on that. It's just trying to find that right race where she can actually get up and win for you. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not easy to do. Um, right, we've got uh, we've got our black bookers to come in a moment. We'll go to our, well, our penultimate break here on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life here on SEN Track. And when we come back, I'm still deciding whether there's four or five black bookers. I think it's an even tougher decision for Steve Cleave. But when we return, we will have made our decision. The polling will be in, the votes will be cast, and we'll tell you who we're following in coming weeks right here on Metrospective on SEN Track. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. A little bit of hope there, Winona Oak and the Chainsmokers, I reckon. I love I love this from Sky. So on Sky 2 right now, the fourth event on the program is over 914 metres and it's simply somewhere in the United States. <laughs> it's... Uh, there's, there's no track. It's just in the United States. It's under the jurisdiction of Joe Biden, wherever they're racing right now. That's all we know. 
So you've got Speaking to, of yeah. the States, mate, uh, a blast from the past, Major Crocker has just won over there and taken his stake money over a million-dollar mark. So there's one of our old stars that's gone over there and haven't heard about him for a long, long time. Yeah, Major Crocker, who was – he won the Breeders' Crown as a, I want to say, three-year-old. Yep. In a crack, 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 crack field. Um, Vince fell longer, and we just spoke about Art of Shingley. He was a lovely horse, wasn't he? Um, and uh, owned by Gary Crocker in uh, in South Australia. So uh, he, he was a super horse, Major Crocker. It's incredible what a great job the Australians do over there. So if there's any if there's any doubts ever in people's minds whether we're – um, from a pacing perspective, at very least, uh, competitive on the world stage, you only have to watch Northville Park or Yonkers or wherever it might be in the mornings, and you'll see Australian and New Zealand horses doing an exceptional job on a week-in, week-out basis. Uh, Black Bookers, you take it away first. Clevy, what do you got for us? Okay, so I've got, yeah, a lot of question marks. So uh, the first two races, I haven't put any in. I have put Magic Mike in out of race three. I just like the way he managed to hold off the rest of the field, even though he's the son of a gun, won it quite comfortably, driven out of his comfort zone. I think he's raced back in some really good form and he should be winning soon. Uh, Harry Stamper, as we said before, goes in with capital letters. That was just an amazing run and he shows how much ability he's got. Um, I put a question mark on Cormier. I just think maybe needs the races run to suit, but still going very good. And I know you want to put it in, so at least it gets its tick there. Uh, race five, I haven't got any in because most of those horses are all going to be racing in against each other in the big race heats and whatnot coming up soon. Race six, both my horses are already in there in Powder Keg and Baltica, so they stay in. Race seven, look, you can't really put in a black booker out of this one, but we'll give a big special mention to Rock and Roll Do because, like you said, he may be just the number one horse going around at the moment after those last two wins. Race eight, I have put Rick Riley in. Uh, he absolutely flew home, so I think he's getting back to his best. Um, both Jillaby Nitro and Valachi, I thought were good, but just borderline, so I haven't put them in, but, you know, worth a little bit of a mention. Cosimo stays in from race nine. He just leaves there. He'll never go out of that book. He just keeps flying home, running well, and and he'll be winning. And and even if you just back him a place every week, you're still going to be making money. And then the last race, uh, anywhere Hugo, I think you've got to keep following him, even though he's won. I think he's just on the way up, and Chinese Whisper was just amazing run. Yeah, look, mine are, mine are most similar. I've ended up with half a dozen and um, a couple of the same. So it's Ebony and Ivory is one that is uh, only in for me. Quality Mare suffered major early interference at Kilmore. Still beaten less than nine metres by a handy horse. Uh, taking a few runs to get back to somewhere this prep, but the signs are now looking good. I've thrown in the last chance. In fact, I might as well just throw in Greg Fleming into yep. my black book because I've got yep. the last chance, Daylight of Dawn and Orby. Last chance and Orby, I've got both of them in. And it's amazing with that camp and when Skittle was uh, training those horses exactly the same, once they find form, they just hold it forever. It's um, And, and they're, they're in form. Uh, Orby second up from a break, the last chance. I don't know where the last chance, I mentioned this earlier, I don't know where the next win's coming from, but he can't race as well as he has his last couple in particular without catching the brakes at some juncture. The great thing about a horse like the last chance and most of Greg's is that they won't be at really short quotes when they do break through. And that's uh, Orbeez included in that conversation flew home 
um, second up from a break. And uh, another from that camp that uh, hold their form spectacularly well once they find it. Uh, the two trotters, obviously, that were just the most eye-catching runs in defeat of the night, you've already mentioned. Uh, Clevey, Harry Stamper, potential freak. He's just got epic speed for a trotter. And the same goes for Chinese Whisper. They were both in horrible positions, having to pull out wide on the track. And both of them absolutely stomped home. Uh, Harry Stamper stomped home and so did Chinese Whisper and the other black booker for me and again I don't know where the race is but it might be that popular um, free-for-all on October 8 for Crime Rider I just think he's if you go back to he produced a cup one in particular but a couple of stunning wins uh, in uh, at Albion Park during the Queensland Winter Carnival he came back here and he ran some really nice races without being probably quite at that level but his last couple against the big guns I'm with you I'm with you 95%, Clevy, that he's not good enough to beat the really good ones. But I, I wonder what world we're living in at the moment. Aside from Rock and Roll Do and maybe one or two others, I mean, you, we might have said the same thing about Torrid Saint, um, Once Upon a Rainbow, not too long ago. And now it feels like, who knows, he might be able, It feels like Bulletproof Boy, who knows, under the right circumstances, when we get to the Victoria Cup. It's going to be a most intriguing race, and I would not be surprised one little bit if one of those quote-unquote lower-profile horses was able to cause an upset in that Grand Circuit feature at Tabcourt Park, Melton, in uh, in a little under a fortnight. But we'll find a race for Crime Rider because his last couple have been too good for him not to find a way to break through. He's absolutely flying. And for him to make up the ground that he did, um, Rock and Roll Zoo was off and gone and clearly was the run of the race because he, he was the one that burned through the 26-second, 26-7 third, uh, premiership quarter, third quarter, and was able to keep going, and he brained them. But Crime Rider was, in my opinion, best of the rest. All right, final break coming up here on the Monday edition of Trot's Life, Trot's Life, where we always go through the major metropolitan meeting of the week, which is normally Tabcorp Park on a Saturday night. But on this occasion, the big Kilmore Cup meeting on grand final eve Friday evening when we return. We're going to put a nice little tight red, green, yellow bow on this edition of Trot's Life.